Welcome to the October 23rd Sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is Joshua chapter 11, and the sermon is entitled, The Last of the Battles, delivered today by Pastor Jeffrey Campbell. As we go to the book of Joshua, my question is from the, the question that you get every week as we look into God's Word, and that is this, did you come expecting something today? Amen. I want you to know that this title of this message is the last of the battles it's not the last of the book okay we still got a ways to go but as we look at this sermon title today my prayer is this is that God would open our eyes into what these battles and the culmination of them have brought us to and my prayer today is that Joshua 11 would speak to your heart Last week we witnessed Joshua in a southern campaign in the, in the promised land as he moved uh, through that southern area. He's marched through Jericho. He's marched through Ai. He has marched through those southern cities of Canaan. And he has a very particular method that we have seen throughout this process. And that is this. It's a divide and conquer method. You enter the land, you divide the people, and you conquer them. And we've seen that in the southern campaign. And now we will see that again as he moves in, uh, into the northern region of the Canaan land. It's not a, a surprise to God of what he's doing, but it's amazing that the tactics, not only a, a divide and conquer campaign, he uses a campaign where he moves sometimes at night to defeat the enemy. He uses night as his advantage. Uh, he uses also surprise attacks on the enemy. And God uses all this and his army to carry out his ultimate plan. And here is what we've seen so far. The army must be ready and willing to do whatever God asks him to do. Through Joshua, they must be ready to move. They must be ready to go. And I want you to know, Christians here today, that message has not changed. This army at Clifford Baptist Church must be ready. We must be ready to move when God directs us so. And so today, I hope that as we see the last of the battles, that you will even look at your life and maybe the battles that you're facing or the things that you're going through and that we can relate that to every person here. Chapter number 11, starting with the first five verses. Those verses read like this. And it came to pass when Jabin, king of Hazor, had heard those things, he sent Jobab, king of Madon, and the king of Shimron, and the king of Akshaph. And to the kings that were on the north of the mountains, and of the plain south of Shinaroth, and in the valley and in the borders of Dor on the west, and to the Canaanite on the east and on the west, and to the Amorite, and to the Hittite, and to the Perizzite, and the Jebusite in the mountains, and to the Hivite under Hermon in the land of Mizpah. And they went out, they and all their host with them, much people, even as the sand is upon the seashore in multitude, with horses and chariots very many. And when all these kings were met together, they came and pitched together at the waters of Merom to fight against Israel. The first five verses give us point number one, and that is this. As we look at the last of the battles, point number one is this. The united enemy comes against God. There is a united enemy. Over the past few sermons, this is sermon number 16 in the series, if you're keeping track. 
But over the past few sermons, I want you to know this. We have talked over and over and over about the enemy of the Israelites. And again, we see at the beginning of this chapter, there is a man by the name of Jabin, and he is king of Hazar, and he is the ring leader of the alliance of the, of the armies of the north. And he organized, he makes his calls to the different kings of the different tribes and areas, and he has them to come against the, against the, the nation of Israel. Now, he has received word. Israel is a powerhouse. They have defeated everybody in their south. They have wiped them out. And he knows that this mission, the Israelites will do to us what they have done to everybody else in this land. They will wipe us out. And so we see he gets a, he gets a jump on them. He starts to pull these kings together. He organizes them. And as he begins to organize, and there's a lot of things that we see here. In chapter number uh, 12, which we will see next week. I don't want to get, preach next week's message. But chapter number 12, there are 15 northern kings that are defeated. 15. So I want you to see that as Jabin is organizing and he's calling all of these people, there are a couple things that I want to make clear. The first one is this. We see that he is united against God and he is bringing the people uh, together against God. It doesn't take us very far outside of these doors to realize the world today is just as that day. It is against God. You no longer live in a nation that is majority Christian. It is a nation that is against our God. And there are many people that are pulling in all the resources to gather people against the people of God. And we see that here today. The second thing I want you to see, it happens in verse number 3. Without rereading that, I'm going to tell you what happens. He does the second thing, and that is this. He brings all the ites together. He brings all the different people of different backgrounds, people of different beliefs, people that have normally separated themselves from one another, and he brings them together for one purpose, to fight against God. All these different people lay aside their differences to fight against Israel. The third thing that he does is that he brings a number of people against them that the Bible says that is uh, uh, as the sand of the sea. It's a great number of people. You see that in verse number 4. It says, with much people, even as the sand that is upon the sea, shore in multitude. So they bring this multitude of people against Israel to fight. Most commentaries believe it's 300,000 plus people that will stand against Israel. 300,000. That may not seem like a big number to you, but that number greatly outnumbers the people of Israel. And now, the fourth thing that he does uh, is he brings horses and chariots. You see that at the end of verse number 4. Uh, horses and chariots, very many. They're introduced to the war and they are from this point forward a new thing that the Israelites have never seen before. They never faced it before, but yet they will now. And the last thing that I want you to see in these first five verses is this. There is but one goal, and that one goal is found at the end of verse number five. It says this, to fight against 
Israel. Underline those words in your Bible if you want to. You don't have to because I tell you to. But that is the goal of the people that do not believe in God. They seek to destroy God. They were fighting Israel, but they ultimately wanted to fight God. I want our minds to think just right now, I was raised in this town. 40 years I've been in this town. And when I was a little boy at the Methodist church down the road, they always told me the day is coming that evil will prevail. And in 40 short years, it's here. It's here. You don't have to go to a big city or to a foreign nation or even a foreign state. You don't have to go. You just need to walk out the doors of our church. And the enemy is here. I want you to see how the united enemy is ready now to stand against God. Just this week, I have heard that even in our public schools in Amherst County, there is a, 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 a work now to start a satanic club within the schools of our system. If that does not make you want to sign up for Good News Club, I don't know what does. But it is here. It is here. Friends, let me tell you this. There is work to be done on our part. And I want you to know that as I look at these first five verses of the chapter of Joshua... I see a ringleader bringing together all different kind of people to march against God. And my mind can't help but go to the end of the book that you hold in your hand in the book of Revelation. And I want you to hear just a few words real quick before we move on. As one day, one day there will be a united front against the people of God. Revelation Chapter number 16, starting with verse number 12, says this. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. And the water thereof was dried up, and the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And, and I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth, mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of the devils, working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth, and of the whole world, to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Verse number 15 are words of Jesus. He says, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Verse number 16, And he gathered them together in a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. There is another battle that will happen one day according to the word of God where all the kings of the world will gather together against one enemy and that enemy is God himself. In verse number 17, there are three words at the end of verse number 17 as God sees this from heaven. Three words say this, it is done. And he begins to move. Revelation chapter number 19 I want to take you there real quick because if I ended on Revelation chapter 16, you would leave here and say, oh gosh, the world's going to end tomorrow. But I want you to know that as the armies gather, they're gathering against one. And that one in Revelation chapter number 19, starting with verse number 11, it says, I saw heaven open up and behold a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. 
and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were a flame of fire, and his head were, were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name was called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth goeth the sharp sword with, that with it should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of the Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Friends, that needs to get us excited. But the great thing is this, is that one day, according to Revelation chapter 19, they will be cast into a lake of fire. The enemy does not win. Now what in the world, Jeffrey? Why are you, why are you comparing Joshua's life to that at the end times? I believe, personally, that Joshua is an Old Testament example of Jesus. And as the kings gather and the people gather against Jesus, they will do that one day. But friends, that day is not a day far off. I believe the days are drawing near where that will really happen upon this earth. We've got to be careful. And Jesus says we must be watchful. We must be watchful. There is a united enemy against the people of God. And I want you to know that enemy will not go away until one day they're cast into the lake of fire. Today, the battle that you face and the battle that I face is real. It's real. There's a united enemy against us. Point number two. Let's read verses 6 through 15 of chapter number 11 of Joshua. And the Lord said unto Joshua, underline these next three words, Be not afraid because of them. For tomorrow about this time I will deliver them up all slain before Israel. Thou shalt hock their horses and burn the chariots with fire. And so Joshua came and all the people of, of war with him against him by the waters of Miriam suddenly. And they fell upon them. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Israel who smote them. And chased them into the great Zidon, Miserephoth, Miam, and the valley of Mizpah, eastward. And they smote them until they left them none remaining. And Joshua did unto them as the Lord bade him. He hocked their horses and burned their chariots with fire. And Joshua at that time turned back and took Hazor and smote the king thereof with the sword. For Hazor before time was head of all those kingdoms. And they smote all the souls that were therein with the edge of the sword, utterly destroying them. There was not any left to breathe, and he burnt Hazor with fire. And all the cities of those kings, and all the kings of them did Joshua take, and smote them with the edge of the sword, and he utterly destroyed them as Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded. But as for the cities that stood still in their strength, Israel burned none of them, save Hazor only." That did Joshua burn. Verse number 14. And all the spoil of these cities, and the cattle and the children of Israel took a prey of themselves. Every man they smote with the edge of the sword until they had destroyed them, neither left they any to breathe. As the Lord commanded Moses, his servant, so did Moses command Joshua, and so did Joshua. These next four words are important. He left nothing undone. Of all that the Lord commanded Moses. 
Point number two today as we look at the last of the battle is this. That boldness and obedience are still a priority. Boldness and obedience are still a priority. I want you to know the most important thing in any battle, whether we're reading about it in God's Word or the battle that we're facing, is the voice of God. How God steps in that battle. I've seen it happen time and time again. As God steps in there, He comes to take over that battle. But I want you to know the message never changes. We see here that He, he reminds Joshua not to be afraid. If you remember in Joshua chapter number 1, verse number 9, those same words from the very beginning of Joshua's call to right now to the last battle have not changed. As you go and you, have, you face things that you've never seen before, as you fight a battle that you're outnumbered in, as you take on this role, you don't need to be afraid. You need to trust in me. Maybe today there's somebody in this room that needs to hear those words. Quit being afraid. Look to God. Trust God as the battle is on the horizon. But also in that verse, verse number 6, he says, Do not be afraid because of them, for tomorrow about this time I will deliver them up, all slain before Israel. I don't know how your mind goes when you read the Bible, but mine just takes a, a mind of its own. And I can picture God just looking down at his watch and says, Joshua, look, you want to win the battle today. But the battle will be won on my time. The battle will be won tomorrow about this time. That's when I will use you. Don't you sit back until then. Don't you wait. Don't you sit back and relax. Don't you get somebody else to do it. You go fight the battle and tomorrow I will win it. I will win the battle. I'm grateful that I often look at the battle that I fight day by day. And I want to win it today. But I don't want to hurt your feelings, Christians. There are some battles that you may never win as long as you are alive on this earth. That in ultimate victory, you will, you will see Jesus Christ and that will end the battle. But maybe today that you feel like the battle's been way too long, I want to give up. The message right now is this, tomorrow is coming. Continue to trust God as you fight and as you look through to Him and try to get through whatever that is that you're getting through. I want to ask you this. One of the, one of the cruelest things that I've preached on the past couple weeks is death, 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 death. Somebody asked me leaving the other week, said, you, getting, you like this stuff, don't you? And I said, no, man, this is hard preaching. Just go and kill everything and everybody, and that, that's hard stuff. But the obedience to God is what I want you to see through the past few chapters. I want you to see they even hawk the horses. They take and they sever the hamstrings of the horses. Now, I, as I began to study that, and I was like, what in the world? Are, why would they do that? They've never seen horses and chariots in battle. Just take those things and start to use them. That's what I would have done. I would have jumped on the horse and took it. But God said, Jeffrey, that's not what I wanted them to do. How many times do we try to win the battle with the enemy's tool? In a way that God never designed it. 
Some of you are trying to win battles on your own strength and on your own mind and in your own thinking, and you're wondering why you have failed. Man, there's many times I, could, I read this scripture and I said, just jump on the chariot and take it. And God says, oh no, that's not the way I want to win this war. I'm going to win this war, not you. Today, I hope and pray that as you look at whatever you are dealing with and that you are going through, don't you for one second think that God has left you or God has forgotten about you. God has his plan. Today, I want you to know that I want you that as I have entered difficult battles and difficult periods and seasons of my life, I've often tried to wade through them on my own. Christian, nowhere in this Bible today are we, are we promised an easy road. We're never promised a road without a battle, without a fight, without something that we need to trust the Lord through. And I want to remind you today that it's not accept Jesus and smooth sailing to heaven but God takes difficult stories and difficult circumstances and he shows up right in the middle of it and he begins to work. How many of us today will trust God in our crises, in our battle, as we look at our lives? Some of us need to be obedient. Some of us need to be faithful. Some of us need to listen to the voice of God. As we move on, in Joshua chapter number 11, Verses 16 through 22. It says, Joshua took all that land, the hills and all the south country, and all the land of Goshen, valley and the plain and of mountain of Israel, and the valley of the same, even from Mount Halak that goeth up to Sire, even to Balgad and the valley of Lebanon under Mount Hermon. And all their kings he took and smote them and slew them. And Joshua made war a long time with all those kings. There was not a city that he made peace with the children of Israel, say the Hivites, the inhabitants of Gibeon, and all other they took in battle. For it was of the Lord to harden their hearts that they should come against Israel in battle, that he might destroy them utterly, and that they might have no favor, but that he might destroy them as the Lord commanded Moses. And at that time came Joshua and cut off the Anakims from the mountains of Hebron, from Debir, from, from Anab, from all the mountains of Judah, and from all the mountains of Israel, Joshua destroyed them utterly with their cities. And there was none of the Anakims left in the land of the children of Israel, only in Gaza and Gath and in Ashdod there remained. I want to speak to point number three, and that is this, that even in the hardest of battles, there are hardened hearts. There are hardened hearts. Our previous re reading, we see that Joshua left nothing undone. Everything that God asked him to do, he did it and he did it to the fullest. But as Joshua continues on in his faithfulness and following the Lord, I want you to know this was a long war. Verse number 18 Here's what verse number 18 says. Joshua made war a long time with all those kings. The war lasted a long time. 
If we use Caleb, and we're going to come back to Caleb here in a few weeks, so I don't want to steal that thunder. If we use Caleb's life, he was 40 years old when he went to spy out this great land. And 45 years, he says he's 85. So 45 minus 38, you do the math. Some five to seven years is how long this conquering took. When you think about fighting a war, fighting a battle, conquering a land, you want to go in there and do it right now. But God says, no, it's under my timing. So we see Joshua's faithfulness in the Lord. The only city to make peace in all of Canaan was that of Gibeon. The rest of them, they destroyed. Not only did they destroy, in verse number 20, it says that they had a hard heart. And how did they get that hard heart? It says the Lord hardened their hearts. The Lord hardened their hearts. He made them to hate God in so much that they would raise up and fight against and lose their life for fighting against the God that loved them. Here's my question this morning. And to the people of the church, and that is this, has your heart grown hard towards someone? A lot of times when my heart begins to harden, it's my own doing. It's my choice. It's something I make a judgment on, and my heart begins to harden. And when I go to my prayer closet, I try to take care of all of that because I don't want Jeffrey to get in the way of what God is doing. But here's my question to you today. Does God still harden hearts in 2022? The answer should be a resounding yes. Yes, he does. The book of Romans, chapter number one, I'm not going to read it all, for time's sake, but I want you to go back and read Romans chapter number 1, starting with verse number 24. I'm going to read one verse to you. It says, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through their lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. They changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served cre- of the creature more than the Creator who was blessed forevermore. Then again, in verse number 26, he said God gave them up. In verse number 28, he said God gave them over. God still hardens hearts. Who's the only person that can change a hard heart? God. There have been many times people call me or come to my office and say, Jeffrey, can you help? There's a situation. And no matter what Jeffrey has to say, until God interjects, there's a hard heart there. And so here's what I want to tell you, church. I want to tell you there are times that you're going to deal with people who have a hard heart. And that's one of the toughest battles you will take. But listen to these verses from Ezekiel, chapter 36, verse 26. A new heart also will I give you. I will take away the stony heart. God can change a hard heart. And Jeremiah, chapter number 24, verse number 7, it says, I will give them a heart to know me. Is there hope for a world that hates our God? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. The only hope is God Almighty. Now here's the question. Who holds the hope? Who holds the hope for all the world? You and I. You and I have Jesus in our hearts. 
God is the only one who can change a life and who can change a heart, but it's up to you and I to get busy speaking of what God has done. As we move on in Joshua, we see hard hearts, but we're introduced in verse number 21 and 22 to the Anakims. Now, the Anakims are those, the tribe of tall and strong people. I would not be a part of this tribe. These are the giants. These are the giants from the very beginning. As the spies went to spy out the land, 10 of the 12 says, we can't do it. We can't do it because the people are bigger and they're stronger than I am, than we are. We might as well run. And 10 of the 12 convinced the people of Israel that they could not enter the land. And so God gave them 40 years of wandering in the desert for disobedience. Well, guess what? Israel comes back around. And guess who the last people they have to face are? Those giants. Those giants that they said, we can't defeat them. Look real quick in verse 21 and 22. Here's what it says. And at that time came Joshua and cut off the Anakims from the mountains, from Hebron, from Debir, and from Anab, and from all the mountains of Judah, and from all the mountains of Israel. Joshua destroyed them utterly with their cities. Joshua was one of the two that said, we can defeat them. And I'm grateful that in Joshua's lifetime, God let him be the one to defeat those giants. When everybody, everybody else says, we can't do it, Joshua was the one who defeated the Anakims. This tribe, or these people, would be the descendants of Goliath, who would, who would have faced David in 1 Samuel chapter number 17. But wonder why God would take the most feared people, the people that cause his, his, his precious people to wander for 40 years, and save them for last. Friends, I want you to know that I believe God is building the faith of the people of Israel, and I think He's building the faith of you and I. There are some people in this room that are facing some spiritual giants. And you've put it off, and you've wandered. You've wondered even how you can do it. Maybe today, God says, today is the day. Go face your giant and defeat him with my help. There's one last point today that I want to give you. And it comes from verse number 23. Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord said unto Moses, and Joshua gave it for an inheritance unto Israel according to their divisions by their tribes, and the land rested from war. In my Bible, I underline the word rested. For the first time in years... The people of God, the land has rested from war. Remember, the land is a reward from God for the faithfulness of the people of God. And as we look at the end of verse number 23, after 40 years of wandering, years of entering the promised land, faithful leadership of Joshua, faithful following of the Lord, they entered a time of rest, listen to me, from war. Not from work. Do you see that? It wasn't welcome to paradise, kick back and relax. It's you don't have to fight anymore. Now there will be more tribes that need to be conquered as they are divided out. More people that would need to be de defeated. 
But today we close the conquering phase of Joshua. And I'm grateful, maybe it's just me that God is using this message for today, but I'm grateful as we wind down the conquering phase that it isn't the end of battle. As I close this book right now, it doesn't mean the battles are over. It just means I need to trust God more and more and more today. But what it has taught me is this. The victories of yesterday prepare me for my tomorrow. The God of today will lead me through tomorrow, however long that may be. And He must find us faithful, faithful people. Today, maybe you're here, and in some way, maybe of your own doing or of God's doing, you say, Pastor, I have a hard heart. I believe what God wants me to tell you today is you're in the right place for him to take care of that. You're in the right place for him to change that. But it starts with us. Today, the battle is not in this room. The battle is not on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock or Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. The battle is the rest of the hours during your week. When you're all by yourself, or maybe you're alone, or maybe you slip off away from the family of God, maybe you're away from everybody, that's when the battle starts. I want to tell you today, be bold. Today is the day to stand. We need to be obedient no matter what we face, and we need the strength to face the enemy that will come. That will come. So here's what I want to do today. A little bit different than what I normally do. In a time of invitation, I want to encourage you today, every person in here, right now to bow your head and close your eyes and here's what I ask I can't make you I, I don't want anybody to look around to worry about your neighbor or just in a, a moment of silence before God how many will right now look at their lives and and maybe just with a, a hand of testimony say Pastor Jeffrey I'm in a battle would you slip your hand up and put it right back down is anybody any kind of battle put your hand up and put it right back down Amen. All across the room, there are battles going on. Is there anybody in here with a, a, a raised hand that will say, Pastor Jeffrey, my battle's been long. My battle's been long. Raise your hand. I see those hands. I see those hands. Well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to know in, the, in, in, in all that you are, with all the faith that you have, that God can lead you through your battle. Is there any hand in here today that, that says, I want to trust God with my battle. Slip, slip your hand up. God, I'm trusting you today with my battle. I want to pray for those hands real quick. Father God, Lord, there are many within our congregation that are fighting as evidenced by hands. God, I pray, Lord, that you will draw near to the, those hearts, draw near to every situation. And God, my prayer is this, is that you would lead the battle. God, I pray that you draw each one closer to you than they've ever been before. And God, that you will move in ways that have never been seen before. God, let them face the giant, but also let them know that your spirit is with them. God, thank you for what you're going to do. As we continue to keep our heads bowed, I'm going to ask you this morning, is there maybe somebody in this room that says, Pastor Jeffrey, I'm facing a time and a period that my heart is hard toward God. 
Is there somebody today that will raise your hand, put it right back down and say, God, or Je- Pastor Jeffrey, my heart, my heart is hard. Is there anybody? Amen. Amen. Maybe the greatest battle today, somebody that will raise their hand, not before a pastor, but before a Savior. Say, God, I've been trying to fight this battle all by myself, all alone, and I need you. There's one today that needs Jesus as Savior. We open up the opportunity right now that Jesus' blood paid the price. The Bible says if we confess and believe that he will save us. Today, I pray for that heart that needs to confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Today, if that's you, maybe you, maybe you'll say a prayer with me. Father God, thank you for who you are. Father, I pray right now that you will take over the battles of my life. And it starts with my heart. God, right now, I give you my heart. I give you my life to live for you. I am but a sinner. And you are my Savior. I ask you to come save me now. And as I raise my head, I will live for you. In Jesus' name. Church, look at me right now. As we enter a time of invitation... I want you to know that God's at work. And if God is calling you to a place of prayer with a pastor, a a place of prayer with a friend, a place of prayer before Him, be obedient to that call. They're battles. We all face battles. But we can face them with God. And I want to encourage you today, it starts here. And it starts now. And it starts with me. please to stand and as we sing this hymn of invitation if you want to come and kneel here at the altar bring that struggle to the Lord here at the altar Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. for more information about our church please call our church office at 434-946-0555